0: Chapter 2 of Glinda of Oz by L. Frank Baum. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2 Ozma and Dorothy Residing in Ozma's palace at this time was a live Scarecrow, a most remarkable and intelligent creature who had once ruled the Land of Oz for a brief period and was much loved and respected by all the people. Once a munchkin farmer had stuffed an old suit of clothes with straw, and put stuffed boots on the feet and used a pair of stuffed cotton gloves for hands. The head of the scarecrow was a stuffed sack fastened to the body, with eyes, nose, mouth, and ears painted on the sack. When a hat had been put on the head, the thing was a good imitation of a man. The farmer placed the scarecrow on a pole in his cornfield and it came to life in a curious manner. Dorothy, who was passing by the field, was hailed by the live scarecrow and lifted him off his pole. He then went with her to the Emerald City, where the Wizard of Oz gave him some excellent brains, and the scarecrow soon became an important personage. Ozma considered the scarecrow one of her best friends and most loyal subjects. So the morning after her visit to Glinda she asked him to take her place as ruler of the land of Oz while she went absent on a journey, and the scarecrow at once consented without asking any questions. Ozma had warned Dorothy to keep the journey a secret and say nothing to anyone about the skeezers and flatheads until their return, and Dorothy promised to obey. She longed to tell her girl friends, Tiny Trot and Betsy Bobbin, of the adventure they were undertaking, but refrained from saying a word on the subject, although both these girls lived with her in Ozma's palace. Indeed, only Glinda the Sorceress knew they were going until after they were gone, and even the Sorceress didn't know what their errand might be. Princess Ozma took the Sawhorse and the Red Wagon although she was not sure there was a wagon road all the way to the lake of the skeezers the land of oz is a pretty big place surrounded on all sides by a deadly desert which it is impossible to cross and the skeezer country according to the map was in the farthest northwestern part of oz bordering on the north desert as the emerald city was exactly in the center of oz it was no small journey from there to the Skeezers. Around the Emerald City the country is thickly settled in every direction, but the farther away you get from the city, the fewer people there are, until those parts that border on the desert have small populations. Also those far-away sections are little known to the Oz people, except in the South, where Glinda lives and where Dorothy has often wandered on trips of exploration. The least known of all is the Gillikin country, which harbors many strange bands of people among its mountains and valleys and forests and streams, and Ozma was now bound for the most distant part of the Gillikin country. "'I am really sorry,' said Ozma to Dorothy as they rode away in the red wagon, "'not to know more about the wonderful land I rule. "'It is my duty to be acquainted with every tribe of people "'and every strange and hidden country in all Oz, "'but I am kept so busy at my palace making laws "'and planning for the comforts of those who live near the Emerald City "'that I do not often find time to make long journeys.' "'Well,' replied Dorothy, "'we'll probably find out a lot on this trip, "'and we'll learn about the skeezers and flatheads anyhow.' Time doesn't make much difference in the land of Oz, because we don't grow up or get old or become sick and die, as they do in other places. So if we explore one place at a time, we'll by and by know all about every nook and corner in Oz. Dorothy wore around her waist the Gnome King's magic belt, which protected her from harm, and the magic ring which Glinda had given her was on her finger. Ozma had merely slipped a small silver wand into the bosom of her gown, for fairies do not use chemicals and herbs and the tools of wizards and sorcerers to perform their magic. The silver wand was Ozma's one weapon of offense and defense, and by its use she could accomplish many things. They had left the Emerald City just at sunrise, and the sawhorse traveled very swiftly over the roads toward the north. But in a few hours the wooden animal had to slacken his pace, because the farmhouses had become few and far between, and often there were no paths at all in the direction they wished to follow. At such times they crossed the fields, avoiding groups of trees and fording the streams and rivulets whenever they came to them. But finally they reached a broad hillside, closely covered with scrubby brush, through which the wagon could not pass. "'It will be difficult even for you and me to get through without tearing our dresses,' said Ozma. "'so we must leave the sawhorse and the wagon here until our return.' "'That's all right,' Dorothy replied. "'I'm tired riding anyhow.' Do you suppose, Ozma, we're anywhere near the geyser country? I cannot tell, Dorothy, dear. But I know we've been going in the right direction, so we are sure to find it in time." The scrubby brush was almost like a grove of small trees, for it reached as high as the heads of the two girls, neither of whom was very tall. They were obliged to thread their way in and out, until Dorothy was afraid they would get lost and finally they were halted by a curious thing that barred their further progress. It was a huge web, as if woven by gigantic spiders, and the delicate lacy film was fastened stoutly to the branches of the bushes, and continued to the right and left in the form of a half-circle. The threads of this web were of a brilliant purple color and woven into numerous artistic patterns, but it reached from the ground to branches above the heads of the girls and formed a sort of fence that hedged them in. "'It doesn't look very strong, though,' said Dorothy. "'I wonder if we couldn't break through.' She tried, but found the web stronger than it seemed. All her efforts could not break a single thread." We must go back, I think, and try to get around this peculiar web, Ozma decided. So they turned to the right, and following the web, found that it seemed to spread in a regular circle. On and on they went, until, finally, Ozma said they had returned to the exact spot from which they had started. Here is a handkerchief you dropped when we were here before, she said to Dorothy. "'In that case, they must have built the web behind us "'after we walked into the trap,' exclaimed the little girl. "'True,' agreed Ozma. "'An enemy has tried to imprison us.' "'And they did it, too,' said Dorothy. "'I wonder who it was.' "'It's a spider web, I'm quite sure,' returned Ozma. "'But it must be the work of enormous spiders.' "'Quite right!' said a voice behind them. Turning quickly, they beheld a huge purple spider sitting not two yards away and regarding them with its small, bright eyes. Then there crawled from the bushes a dozen more great purple spiders, which saluted the first one and said, "'The web is finished, O King, and the strangers are our prisoners.' Dorothy did not like the looks of these spiders at all. They had big heads, sharp claws, small eyes, and fuzzy hair all over their purple bodies. "'They look wicked,' she whispered to Ozma. "'What shall we do?' Ozma gazed upon the spiders with a serious face. "'What is your object in making us prisoners?' she inquired. "'We need someone to keep house for us,' answered the Spider-King.' There is sweeping and dusting to be done, and polishing and washing of dishes, and that is work my people dislike to do. So we decided that if any strangers came our way, we would capture them and make them our servants. I am Princess Ozma, ruler of all Oz, said the girl with dignity. Well, I am king of all spiders, was the reply. "'And that makes me your master. "'Come with me to my palace, and I will instruct you in your work.' "'I won't,' said Dorothy indignantly. "'We won't have anything to do with you.' "'We'll see about that,' returned the spider in a severe tone. And the next instant he made a dive straight at Dorothy, opening the claws in his legs as if to grab and pinch her with the sharp points." but the girl was wearing her magic belt and was not harmed. The Spider-King could not even touch her. He turned swiftly and made a dash at Ozma, but she held her magic wand over his head, and the monster recoiled as if it had been struck. "'You'd better let us go,' Dorothy advised him, "'for you see you can't hurt us.' "'So I see,' returned the Spider-King angrily. Your magic is greater than mine, but I'll not help you to escape. If you can break the magic web my people have woven, you may go. If not, you must stay here and starve." With that the Spider-King uttered a peculiar whistle, and all the spiders disappeared. "'There is more magic in my fairyland than I dreamed of,' remarked the beautiful Ozma with a sigh of regret. Ah, it seems that my laws have not been obeyed, for even these monstrous spiders defy me by means of magic. Never mind that now, said Dorothy. Let's see what we can do to get out of this trap. They now examined the web with great care and were amazed at its strength. Although finer than the finest silken hairs, it resisted all their efforts to work through even though both girls threw all their weight against it. "'We must find some instrument which will cut the threads of the web,' said Ozma finally. "'Let us look about for such a tool.' So they wandered among the bushes and finally came to a shallow pool of water formed by a small bubbling spring. Dorothy stooped to get a drink and discovered in the water a green crab about as big as her hand. The crab had two big, sharp claws, and as soon as Dorothy saw them, she had an idea that those claws could save them. "'Come out of the water,' she called to the crab. "'I want to talk to you.' Rather lazily the crab rose to the surface and caught hold of a bit of rock. With his head above the water, he said in a cross-voice, "'What do you want?' "'We want you to cut the web of the purple spiders with your claws "'so we can get through it,' answered Dorothy. "'You can do that, can't you?' Mm, "'I suppose so,' replied the crab. "'But if I do, what will you give me?' "'What do you wish?' Ozma inquired. "'I wish to be white instead of green,' said the crab. "'Green crabs are very common, and white ones are rare.' Besides purple spiders, which infest this hillside, are afraid of white crabs. Could you make me white if I should agree to cut the web for you?" "'Yes,' said Ozma, "'I can do that easily. And so you may know I am speaking the truth, I will change your color now.' She waved her silver wand over the pool, and the crab instantly became snow-white, all except his eyes, which remained black. The creature saw his reflection in the water, and was so delighted that he at once climbed out of the pool and began moving slowly toward the web by backing away from the pool. He moved so slowly that Dorothy cried out impatiently, "'Dear me, this will never do!' Catching the crab in her hands, she ran with him to the web. She had to hold him up even then, so he could reach with his claws strand after strand of the filmy purple web, which he was able to sever with one nip. When enough of the web had been cut to allow them to pass, Dorothy ran back to the pool and placed the white crab in the water, after which she rejoined Ozma. They were just in time to escape through the web, for several of the purple spiders now appeared, Having discovered that their web had been cut, and had the girls not rushed through the opening, the spiders would have quickly repaired the cuts and again imprisoned them. Ozma and Dorothy ran as fast as they could, and, although the angry spiders threw a number of strands of web after them, hoping to lasso them or entangle them in the coils, they managed to escape and clamber to the top of the hill. End of chapter 2